warm welcome to this latest edition of the Nightlight Podcast. Stephen Strutt is with us on the show to tell us about his latest book, Insights into the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs. Stephen, this is your eighth book, right? Well, it's the seventh Insights book, seventh Insights book. Right, and your previous books included insights into the books of Enoch, Jasher, Jubilees, Second Esdras, all of which inspired me to record audiobooks of these fascinating Jewish history books, and which, listeners, you can find on this channel. Stephen, Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs is a book that I'd never heard of before until I heard you were writing an insights book about it. Why this book in particular? That's actually a very good question. Each time I write an insights book, I do not know which book I'm going to work on next. It's um, it's something that I think God leads me to in time when he wants me to. Right. And so far, it's worked out amazing, the choices that the Lord has made in telling me what to do with the Apocrypha books. Yes. This book got my attention especially because a lot of people don't know anything about this, including yourself. And if you don't know about it, when you know the Bible so well and you know so so many things, a lot of people know nothing about it either. That's true. I can tell you this, that it used to be in the Oscan Armenian Orthodox Bible in 1666, this Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs. Okay. I've investigated it thoroughly. What I can tell you initially is that it was written in Hebrew. It was translated by the Bishop of Lincoln in the UK in the 13th century from Hebrew into Latin. And then R.H. Charles in 1907 translated it from Latin into English. R.H. Charles translated a lot of these uh, ancient books. What's interesting about these translators and writers is they both stated that in their opinion, these were original manuscripts. They were not written by some pseudepigraphical writer in 100 BC, as is claimed by a lot of people. Right. And if I found in investigating, it's very easy to prove that it was written actually by the patriarchs. The original documents were written by the 12 sons of Jacob, but I would say some of it has been added to with time, especially with religious restrictive points like celibacy and some attitudes towards women that's not right. Yes. But apart from that, I'd say 95% of the books are fantastic. And here you have the advantage that Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs is not one writer. It's 12 writers. It's even more colorful. It's more interesting. Because all the 12 brothers, the sons of Jacob, they're all very different. Yes, they were. And their way of writing is different. Uh, What I find especially exciting is that they all prophesied about Messiah. Wow, amazing. This is essential reading for people. If you know the Bible, that's you've got the basics. But you've got to understand the Apocrypha books, and there's a lot of them, and Jewish books, they used to be part of the canon somewhere. Either the Jewish canon, or in the Orthodox Bible, or in the King James Bible. In fact, 15 of them were in the King James Bible until 1885 but were taken out. That's right. And I think it's a very big mistake for the Protestants that they lost the Apocrypha books because, as you well know, the more we study different Apocrypha books, you find out that they they don't take away from the Bible. They build the story and give a lot more information and details and make it very colorful indeed. They do. It's the same thing with this new book, 
the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs. What I found outstanding about the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs is the life of Joseph, first of all. We all love the story of Joseph in the Bible and how it's a story of great forgiveness and how Joseph forgave his brethren who had sold him into slavery once he became next to Pharaoh. But if you read this book, The Testament of Twelve Patriarchs, which I've also put a lot of cross-references to the book of Jasher and Jubilees, because they say the same thing. They back it up. They back up the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs so well. In a nutshell, I would say this book is essential to know because it will take you back to the beginning of Israel, how Israel was started on the right foundation by the 12 sons of Jacob, fulfilling prophecy of Abraham, that they were going to start a nation that had strong faith in God and also that they obeyed God. And all the 12 patriarchs bring this out on their deathbeds. It's called the Testament of 12 Patriarchs because they gave a testimony on their deathbeds. And I find it absolutely amazing how each one of them, how did they know they were about to die? But they did. They all knew exactly when they were going to die. Interesting. And this seems to be how it happened back then from Isaac's wife, Rebecca. She knew the very year she was going to die. And she told her son, Jacob, that in detail. That's right. So if you know apocryphal books like The Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs and my book, Insights, plus you also know the book of Jasher and Jubilees, you will come to know your Bible much better. Of course, you need the book of Enoch too. It started with the book of Enoch, and I would say the lost books of Adam and Eve, which I put in a book last year, Eden Insights. That's the very beginning of the story. And the next one after are those two, Eden Insights, or the book of Enoch and the lost books of Adam and Eve. After that is this one, the Testament of the Patriarchs, because what Abraham talked about, what Isaac, what Rebecca, these guys put it down on paper. They put it down on paper. This was the foundation of Israel. Right. That's what's so important to know. Because, as you know, Israel went astray. You read the Bible, you read the prophets, it went terribly astray many, many times. Yes. God had to rescue them from being slaves to the Babylonians, and before that, the ten northern tribes to the Assyrians. And then eventually they were captured by each world power that passed, and eventually were thrown out of Israel by the Romans in the Dispora in 70 AD. That's right. Now, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, all these things were predicted by the patriarchs. Imagine this. You're talking to your son. They're 120 years old, something of that order. They call their sons their grandsons, their great-grandsons, and they, they tell them what the future's going to be. And they tell them, you're going to be the foundation of a new nation of Israel. But we want you to know that Israel will go seriously astray. Israel will be captured by the enemies because they don't follow God and they don't obey him and then God will have mercy on them and eventually the Messiah will come and they will kill their own Messiah. Wow, they say that. This is predicted by the patriarchs in the same way as talked about by the psalmist King David and the book of Isaiah and the prophets. It's just fantastic. You're going to find some verses in here that are absolutely incredible. I mean, wow. I've never seen such verses before about the Messiah. And now to connect to the book of Enoch. As you know, there's a lot of people try to write off or dismiss the Apocrypha books and say, oh no, the book of Enoch was a pseudepigraphical book. It wasn't really written by Enoch. 
But if you read a lot of the apocryphal books, they connect together in such a way that that's not possible. That's right. You're going you're gonna to find out that they connect and they prove that they are genuine books. And one of the important things for everyone to know is the following. They've tried to pinpoint apocryphal books to somewhere between 100 BC and 300 BC. Now, what's interesting is, back in 300 BC, when the Grecian Empire took over with Alexander the Great, they offered lots of money to people to come along, bring old manuscripts, and they would make a copy of them, give it back to the owners of it, but give them a lot of money. And that is the real reason why all the Apocrypha books were brought to life for that time period, 300 BC to 100. That's interesting. Although it was written in Greek a lot of the time, those were not the original manuscripts. Whether it was the Book of Enoch, or whether it's this one, the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, they made copies of them because it was a grandiose thing for the Greek Empire. They wanted all the books in the world. They ended up with one million books in the Library of Alexander, but it was a prestigious thing. Wow to have intellectuals come there to Alexander and read all these books of the whole world, including the Apocrypha books. But they were not written at that time by some pseudographical writer. In the case of the Testament of Twelve Patriarchs, the ones involved with this is what was called the Essence sect, a Jewish sect in 100 BC. They took the old manuscript and they rewrote it or reassembled it, but they were not the authors of it. Right. I go into great detail to explain about this in the book, why the Pharisees were trying to get credit for this book, get credit unto themselves. They wanted that, but it's very easy. Once you study this book and you study what the 12 sons of Jacob actually said, you will see the Pharisees had nothing to do with this book because it speaks directly against them. It speaks against their perfidity and their corruption and their evil ways. But you've got to read the book to see this. I talk about these things in detail. Who really wrote this book? When was it written? And why was it certainly not written by some pseudepigraphical writer or the Essence sect in 100 BC? They might have had something in copying it down, making a newer copy, but they were not the authors of the book. Yes. That you can be certain. But you'll find that out if you read my book, The Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. I have just gotten the publication now, just received it, and I'm reading through it again with my wife. And I want to tell you, we're absolutely fascinated with this book. We're absolutely fascinated because how could somebody know what the 12 sons of Jacob did 3,700 years ago? How could you on your deathbed all of a sudden predict the future in great detail? That's what they did. They talked about, amen, you're going to become my sons, you're going to become the nation of Israel, and out of you is going to come a Messiah, Unfortunately, the nations are going to go very much astray, get kicked out a lot of times, come back, and eventually they'll do the heinous crime of killing the Messiah. Yes. But here's something I want to encourage people with. This is what I wrote here in my dedication to this book. It says here, This book is dedicated to all the faithful writers or scribes throughout history, mostly Jewish or Hebrew, who have brought the scriptures to light and made them available for us. Without their dedication and sacrifice, would not have the Word of God so freely available to us in these modern times. That's right. It's also dedicated to all of those of you who take the time to diligently study what has been said by God in the Bible and the Apocrypha books. All right, that's what I put there. And I'm going to read you here what says in the preface here to the book. This book is based on the Apocrypha book 
of the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs, which were originally written around 16th to 17th century BC, or around 3,700 years ago, by the twelve sons of Jacob, who himself was also known as Israel. This book covers the whole panorama of the nation of Israel, from Abraham to the Messiah and on to eternity. I'd like to state that the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs is one of the most important ancient manuscripts that I've ever read because of the amazing content by twelve writers. The Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs do state that one day, in spite of them mentioning that Israel will go astray and will be very evil and worship idols and do all kinds of horrible things, and it will even, even mention they would kill their own Messiah, but they also state that one day the nation of Israel would embrace their Messiah as mentioned in the book of Zechariah. In other words, at Armageddon, after a time of great tribulation, after the infamous Bible verse of the time of Jacob's trouble. From that time onwards, Israel will be a righteous nation forevermore. That's what's stated by the Bible and by the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. So God's got a lot of patience, I'll tell you that much. A lot of patience. Nightlight Insights Well, I want to show you this too. It says, the patriarchs, this is the introduction to the book. The patriarchs were very wise, as many of them confessed their own sins and mistakes to their relatives. That's true. The patriarchs, that's one thing they did. They were very great people. They, they confessed their sins on their, on their deathbeds. They said exactly what each one had done wrong in their lives. Who does that in modern times? Who confesses their sin? But that's what made them great. That's what made them very great patriarchs. Because they could be honest. Yes. This is what I say here. The patriarchs were very wise, as many of them confessed their own sins and mistakes to their relatives as they died. Or, as we would now say, they were on their deathbeds. And admonished them to worship and obey God and to not make the same mistakes that they had done. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Six of the twelve patriarchs mentioned and quoted from the book of Enoch. In other words, they're giving authenticity to the book of Enoch is real. Yes. Genuine, and certainly wasn't written 100 to 300 BC. It was copied at that time, but it wasn't the original copy. It wasn't pseudepigraphic. That's right. Enoch prophesied about the coming of Abraham and Isaac in Enoch chapter 93. After that, in the third week at its close, a man should be elected as the plant of righteous judgment, and his posterity shall become the plant of righteousness forevermore. So right there in the book of Enoch, it's predicted that eventually Israel would be a righteous nation. Now, whether you interpret Israel physically or spiritually or a bit of both, the truth is Israel will become a righteous nation. It's prophesied, starting in the book of Enoch and here also in the patriarchs and also in Isaiah. All right, book of Isaiah. All right, here's something else here. The patriarchs also mentioned visions and dreams that they had had. These are often confirmed in the book of Jasher and Jubilees, which strongly back them up. Wonderfully, the twelve patriarchs mentioned the coming of the Messiah, Yeshua Messias. The twelve patriarchs mentioned the coming waywardness and rebellion of the nation Israel and how they would be overthrown by the enemies time and time again. They actually described in detail how the Messiah would be betrayed by his own people. In studying the text, I think that the Twelve Patriarchs were themselves inspired by God, unfortunately added to at a much later date, such as 100 BC, to try and make the Pharisee political party popular. 
Apparently, the people in general in Israel did not like the Pharisees, according to Dr. Charles, who translated this book into English in 1917 from Latin, who got his information from the ancient Jewish historian Josephus, who wrote the Antiquities of the Jews around 100 AD. So that was it. That was the introduction to my new book. Nightlight's Interview of the Week is with Stephen Strutt introducing us to his seventh Insights book, Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. Sounds fascinating, Stephen. I can't wait to read it and even record it as an audiobook. Please share with us one or two more of what you find the most interesting stories in this book. Okay. In Simeon, chapter 3 is called A Prophecy of the Coming Messiah. That's very interesting. The next one, the third one, Levi, that's just a fantastic book because with Levi, not only does he talk about the Messiah, but he goes on a trip to heaven. Wow. He goes up to heaven. He goes to the throne of God. He sees the four beasts, he, he, like Enoch and like John the Revelator. Similar. Interesting. And he is told what he must do. And he is empowered that he's going to become the high priest and that all the Levites after him, his sons and them, they would be the high priests and even predicted there would be three types of Levites which did happen because he had three sons and then after that was three types of Levites so he went up to heaven God talked directly with him he talked with the angels of the presence and they told him a whole lot of stuff and then he was given a big sword and a shield and he was told to go down and take vengeance on Shechem for the city raping Jacob's daughter Dinah when she was only 12 years old now, you can get the confirmed age there by the book of Jubilees. You have to read Jubilees, Jasher, and the Testament 12 Peter, along with the Bible story, to get the full picture. It's just absolutely staggering. But anyway, that judgment on Shechem was ordered by God himself. Because, I was just reading it this morning. Did you know that it wasn't just uh, the 12 sons of Jacob, their, their sister Dinah, that was raped by the town of Shechem? The town of Shechem tried to do the same thing to Rebekah, the wife of Isaac, and to Sarah, the wife of Abraham in their time. But God protected them. And that city of Shechem acted just like Sodom and Gomorrah. They just stole people's wives away from them and cast their husbands out of the city. So this is very graphic in this book, especially in the Testament of Judah. The Testament of Judah is graphic battles. How they slew their enemies, how they had supernatural powers, like unto the book of Jasher to some extent. Right? Right. But it gives other details you don't have in the book of Joshua. Very exciting stuff. How that 12 men could take on tens of thousands of soldiers and defeat them. They did. Because they were supernaturally empowered. And I'd say that this book does bring out the point. I say it is a generally a masculine book. I'd say that. Whereas my other book, Eden Insights, is a more feminine book, right? As an audience. But it's got tremendous points in this. Don't, don't miss it. I would speak to your audience of women, because I know a lot of my audience are female readers appreciate that but i would say don't be put off i put some disclaimers in this book at the beginning especially with reuben you know is saying things against women and things like that it was actually the truth was reuben couldn't come to terms with a crime he committed when he was young he just couldn't get around it right just please have patience i said here author's disclaimer please do not be offended at reuben's attitude towards women Besides, this person lived about 3,700 years ago, and the customs were very different back then. So, I did put a disclaimer then, I put another one later, 
But don't get put off by the book just because of the testament of Reuben, who was the oldest brother, because there's a wealth of information in this book. It's nightlight. What a delight. If you like the story of Joseph in the Bible, you've got to read the testament of Joseph. It is so powerful, and all his brothers back him up in so many ways. And then you, you need to know the book of Jasher as well to know how graphic it all really was. Incredible story, the story of Joseph. But to me, it's outstanding because it puts tears in my eyes to see the amazing love that Joseph had for his brethren. Imagine you've been kicked around and uh, thrown in jail and accused of things for 13 years. And it was your brothers who got kicked out, almost tried to kill you when you're 17 year old. I must say that I think that Joseph, he was very arrogant, obstreperous uh, when he was 17. But you don't kill somebody for that reason. You don't throw them out of the country. Right. I, I talk about this in this book in detail about Joseph. But the wonderful thing is, in spite of the way his brothers treated him, when he got down to Egypt and he became the right hand of Pharaoh, he didn't judge them. He could have had them killed, but he didn't. Because he knew in his heart from those visions he had when he was young that God had a much greater purpose and God was going to bring to the birth of the nation of Israel and he was using Egypt as the womb of that new nation. As a womb? Wow. Joseph understood those things. That's why he had mercy on his brethren and when he tested them, he tested them severely to see if they changed. But when he saw that they had changed their evil ways, then he had great mercy and compassion on them. You know the rest of the story, how Joseph revealed himself to his brethren. I think it's one of those fantastic stories in the Bible. And if you agree to that, most people would, what is one of the most fantastic stories in the Bible, then you've got to see it as written by the people who were there, the 12 sons of Jacob. They were there. Joseph was there. Benjamin was there. Reuben was there. Levi was there. Judah was there. They were all there. That's right. Now, they all see it from a slightly different angle, but they all had in common that Joseph was a very great man because of his mercy, because of his forgiveness. He was a sample like unto the Lord. He was. He wasn't the Christ, but he was a very good sample of love, forgiveness, but also single-mindedness. And that's why we've made the, my daughter's made the cover where he showed Joseph as a strong character. Very strong, masculine, determined, but he was a very compassionate person as well. He was. The, the cover I think my daughter's made is absolutely fantastic, what she's done here. Great cover. She said to me, oh, Dad, you've got to have a woman on the, on the, on the front cover, like the other books. You've got to have a woman. I said, well, yeah, well, you're right. I, well, what would you like to do? So we'll have Potiphar's wife in the background. That was her idea. Uh, it looks great, doesn't it? Look, look, Potiphar's wife in the back there, right in the background, right, trying to tempt Joseph. So people know the reality of the situation. It wasn't a piece of cake for Joseph when he was 18 to be tempted by this very beautiful woman that was married. Of course not. Absolutely. Well, I want to give you another tidbit you don't know. Do you know why Joseph had such conviction not to touch that woman? Because if you read the Testament of Patriarchs and you read the Apocalypse of Jasher and Jubilees, you find out that Joseph knew what happened when his older brother Reuben had gone into his father's concubine. And then God almost slew Reuben, and he was sick in bed for seven months with a very serious sickness that he almost sent to death. Joseph knew about that, that disobedience, what it led to. You know, he had a lot of help there from the sample of his brother, what not to do as regard adultery against his father's wishes and his grandfather's wishes. And I think that is the reason why Joseph had so much conviction 
when he had to contend with Potiphar's wife. And I want to tell you something. You read the Testament of Joseph, it was, you have no idea how difficult Potiphar's wife was. My goodness, she was not only beautiful, but she would bear herself naked to him, and she'd do all kinds of crazy stuff, and she was trying to use sorcery and witchcraft to force him to be with her. You know what I mean? What? You talk about a desperate. But you'll only see the full account if you read the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs, and that's in the Testament of Joseph. That's just one example. Fascinating. It is. Absolutely fascinating. It's shocking. Very shocking. But I honestly believe with all my heart, if you know your Bible, this will back up the Bible, the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, as one of the early books, early times, and it will give you a foundation to Israel. I appeal to Jewish people as well as Christians to read this book because this is your history. This is the history of Israel. And sadly, this book has been buried for a long time. It used to be very popular, one of the most popular of the Apocrypha books. As I said, it has been in the Orthodox Bible in 1606 of the Armenians. All right. The question is, why have they shelved this book in Israel? Why have they hidden it? I'll tell you why. Because it's very derogatory about the behavior of Israel and how they behaved. I found in modern times, they don't even hold the Jubilee anymore. They don't hold a lot of the traditions of the Old Testament. And I think there's a lot of Jewish people, Messianic Jews, and genuine Jewish people who think they should do things like keep the Jubilee year. And a lot of other traditions from the Old Testament, they should happen, but they're not happening in modern Israel. Well, don't worry about it because... The Messiah is going to change all that. The Messiah will change things in Israel so that one day Israel will be totally a righteous nation. And from that point on to eternity, they will be righteous. And there is a combination between us as Christians, as born-again Christians, and genuine Jewish people that embrace the Messiah. I've had some very nice letters from some Jewish Christians recently. They like the Insights books. I had a good talk with them. And they were very excited to find the Messiah in Jesus. Very excited. So I encourage both Christians and Jews and others too who are looking for what was it really like? What was it really like in the Old Testament? Was Israel real? We know they got into a lot of bad stuff. But what was it like in the beginning? At the beginning of the nation Israel. You want to know the beginning? Read this book. The Testament 12 Patriarchs from the horse's mouth from those who started it all. I think you'll find absolutely fascinating, and it's got so many gems in it, so much rich material. Well, I think I've said enough. <laughs> You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. If you'd like to contact me, I do have my own YouTube channel now. I've recently made 44 audio visuals on it which talk about my books describe them read, read from some of the chapters i'm just getting started with doing it i hope to make it more professional eventually but on the channel you can hear the content from my eight books you can get some idea of what they're about know more about it so that's at stephen with a p-h-e-n strut that is the handle on youtube and that will take you to my channels so i encourage everybody go on there and you will find all my audiobooks. And I also talk about other things as well. I don't only talk about my books. I talk about a lot of topics. Because one of my books, um, Out the Bottom of Spit 1, was actually about the paranormal as linked with the Bible and as linked with the Apocrypha books. 
talks about a lot of topics and strange goings on in this world. And I'll just mention that I am in the midst of writing a ninth book, which I hope will actually be out by Christmas, called Out the Bottomless Pit 2. This book is essential to know. It's a collection of all things I've written over the last eight years about what's, what has been happening the last three years, what we've all gone through, and also it shows what's happened since 1999 to the present. But it also talks about a lot of personal testimonies about odd things that we've seen. My wife and I, we, I don't know why, but we've both seen a lot of things, like we've met angels, we've talked with angels, we've seen supernatural happenings, many things, which I'm writing about in my new book, Out the Bottles Pit 2. And you will see some audios on my channel. And again, that channel is at Stephen, with a PH, strut, one word. <laughs> And you'll find the links to Stephen's YouTube channel and website below, as well as the link to insights into the testaments of the 12 patriarchs on Amazon. This is Chris Glynn signing off, and I'll be back very soon with another Nightlight podcast. God bless. Bye-bye.